Hey, this morning we are going to jump back into the second part of a message. I told you it was actually one message, but it was too much content for one week. And uh, so... Uh, we're going to jump back in, but uh, I've entitled this message, uh, The Light of the World. And so, uh, you know, and really this is what the Christmas season is all about. And, and so we're going to look at some scriptures. We're going to look at a few things here today together. Uh, but really, um, and, and you'd have to go back and watch the beginning part of the message. I don't want to rehash it or get all into it. Uh, I will give you my main points from last week uh, here in a moment. But in John chapter 8, verse 12, uh, Jesus says this. says that he spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Now notice this where he says this. If you follow me, you won't have to. Which the way that he says it, it is conditional. And he says, if you follow me, you don't have to walk this way. But that also tells me that we can walk in darkness if we want to. Even though it's not the best, even though that Jesus came so that he would be the light of the world, he would be our light. And we're going to look at some of what this uh, looks like practically in the next few moments. But he says, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And so, and we talked about this some last week, is that when Jesus came, it had been a very dark period of time prior to that. And then he came, and that's why he makes this declaration. Because in the past, and it really in people's connection, relationship with the Lord, it was non-existent. And so when Jesus came, he really changed the entire interaction between God and man. Is that before it was rules, it was regulations, it was the law of the Old Testament. And Jesus came and said, hey, I'm not going to do away with the law, but I am going to supersede that law. In other words, what used to be written on stones, I'm going to begin to write on your heart. In other words, it's not just a list of do's and don'ts. There's actually something in a relationship. And, and the Bible actually says it this way, is that when we accept Jesus, we become spiritually alive. The Bible tells us that all spiritual blessings have been given to us in Christ. In other words, everything that's in heaven is available to every one of us right now. But yet this, this verse here says, and Jesus spoke and says, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. And my goal in these messages is this, is to help us evaluate and look at some areas of our life that maybe the enemy has gotten access to more than he should. And so let me give you some or let me read you another scripture real quick before I get into uh, kind of my recap part of from last week. It's Ephesians 5 verses 8 and 9. It says, for once you were full of darkness. It says, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. In other words, don't live like you used to live as people of the light. He says, for this light within you produces only what is good, right, and true. And so at Christmas time, we begin to think about Jesus coming to the earth. And we know that he came to pay the price of our sins. And, and so that we could be forgiven, so that we uh, can go to heaven. And, and we know all of that. And sometimes I think that we can live our life thinking that one day when I get to heaven, everything's going to become better. And I believe that that is true, but I also believe that we can actually experience heaven on earth now. I don't think I have to wait until I get to heaven. I don't, I'll say, let me say it this way, is I don't think that when I get to heaven that it should just be totally foreign to me. 
I think I should recognize some now. Do I believe it'll be better? Absolutely. Why? Because there will be no more sin. There will be no more pain. It will be a wonderful place. But yet Jesus talks about this here to live as people of the light in scripture. Every time that it talks about light, not every time, but most of the time, it's actually not referring to light like these things beaming me in the face right now. It's talking about light as in revelation and understanding. Uh, uh, and it's not a head understanding. It's not just head knowledge. It's not book knowledge. It's not even necessarily taught knowledge. It's known and understood. Like, let me give you an example of this. How many of you have ever been electrocuted? How many of you understand how electricity works? A few of you, a couple handfuls. But how many of you know from your experience, electricity can hurt? Right? And so there are things that we may not understand here, but we can understand them. Sometimes we have a knowing of things. And so even as we're looking at the scriptures here, Jesus gives us the instructions. And he says, look, I don't want you to walk in darkness. That's the reason that I've come. And I believe that many times as believers is that we can actually walk in darkness not knowing it. We can actually be fooled into thinking that, well, this is just the way life is. This is just the way my life is. It's just, this is just what it is. And we begin to accept things that Jesus never intended for us to accept. That Jesus hung on a cross, that, that he bled, that he was buried and raised into resurrection life. The Bible says so that we could now have resurrection life ourselves. And this is the reason that Jesus came. And, and so last week we looked at a couple of these. I gave you two last week and I'm going to just recap them very quickly and then we'll jump into new content. But last week, I, I, so I'm comparing darkness and light. Like, hey, darkness does this, light does this. And, and so the, far, the first one is this, is that darkness hides. In other words, like I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to acknowledge my past. I don't want to acknowledge my hurts. I don't want to acknowledge things. And so what darkness does is it actually ties you to your past. Think of it like an anchor that you're tethered to. When you try to hide it, it doesn't go away. You can bury it. You can not think about it, but it's still there. And that's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to not face the facts of maybe some past things. Why? Because he always has a hook in you. When we don't deal with it. But what light does is that light reveals. It's like when we read the word of God. When we hear somebody communicate the word of God. Sometimes conviction comes. Now the devil will always condemn you. God will never condemn you. Why? Because the devil hates you. God loves you. So the devil will condemn. But God will convict. What's conviction? It's just an acknowledgement. Man that I'm not doing what I should do. But I believe that when the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes, the power to overcome that thing is also available in that moment for you. And so when light reveals things, so if darkness ties you to your past, when light or understanding and revelation come, it actually sets you free. It cuts the cord to your past. That anchor that used to hold you, Jesus says, yeah, I came so that you can have freedom and walk beyond that. This is what light does. And so that was point one. Point two was this, is that light distracts. Or I'm sorry, darkness distracts. It, it just pulls you away from your purpose, what God has you here for. Every one of you were made on purpose and for a purpose. 
But yet, darkness will come into your life. Temptations will come. Compromises will try to come. Why? To get you to take the bait to distract you from the reason that you're here. And so this is important is that darkness will what? It will pull you away from your purpose. But the light will guide you. In other words, the wisdom, the understanding, your relationship with God will actually push you what towards your destiny. Towards the reason that you were created. I believe every one of us have a unique gifting, calling, skill makeup. And, and so when we pursue darkness, what happens? We get further and further and further away from our God-designed purpose. Your God-designed purpose is the most fulfilling thing that you will ever do. It's not having more stuff. It's actually doing the thing that you were put here to do. That's when you come alive. You're like, well, how do I know what my God purpose is? Try some stuff. And when you light up like a Christmas bulb, you're like, well, what do you mean by that? It energizes you. It brings life to you. It brings fulfillment to you. And you may find some areas that you're like, I didn't even know that I would enjoy this. But I love it and it gives me life. That's kind of an arrow pointing you in a direction. Right? And so light guides you. It takes you. So if darkness pulls you away, light guides you right into your God-given purpose. Well, how do I get there? You got to keep following Jesus. That's what it says there in John chapter 8. It says, if you follow me, I'm going to lead you towards what? Towards the life that's full of life. And this is what God wants for us. And so that was what we talked about last week and so, or, or some. And so if you weren't here last week, jump online, watch those messages. Today, I've got three points for you. I'm not a three-point guy, but today I have three. It does happen. Christmas miracles. And uh, so, but, uh, so we're going to continue along this line. And as I said last week, this is really one message. I've just broken up into two pieces just so I could communicate it. Um, but uh, one of the, another attribute, if you will, of darkness is this, is that darkness brings foolishness and confusion. Now, you can take every one of these and make it a question. Like, am I confused pretty often? Do I struggle with my purpose? Like, you can, you can actually take every one of these points and turn them into an introspective question that you ask yourself. But one of the things that happens is that when we... When, you can really say this a lot of different ways. These are just the terminologies that I've used because of obviously Jesus making the statement of that I am the light of the world. But let me say it, let me just for clarity, is that darkness is any time that I'm not walking in the light and the wisdom of God's word. Sometimes there is influence from the enemy, but it's not always the enemy. Sometimes we make conscious decisions. The Bible says that all sin actually starts in us, not outside of us. So in other words, the devil sees that we're vulnerable in an area and he's going to jump on that. But he didn't put the desire there. So we determine which, who and what we're going to be influenced by. But some of the, I mean, and, and you can even say it this way, some of the behaviors, the external things like this is that when darkness comes is that we can make some, you ever had the thought like, why did I make that decision? Why did I do that? Like I knew better than to watch that movie, but yet I watched it anyways. I knew better than to, you know, do this or to do that. And yet why? Because foolishness, let me, let me give you a definition about what a fool is. 
and this comes out of Proverbs, is that a fool doesn't intend to hurt or harm, but does anyways. They will hurt themselves and they will hurt you. And so sometimes we will even be in relationship with a fool wondering why we keep getting hurt. Moving on. My dad used to say it this way. If you hang out with dogs, you're going to get some ticks. Why? Because of who you're hanging around. And so there's times where even people in our life that, hey, it doesn't mean that you have to just hate them or disassociate with with them. But there are times where the Lord will say, hey, this person is being more of a negative influence in your life than a positive one. And so you need to create some distance. Because sometimes it's not always what we bring into our life or what we allow. Sometimes it's the people that we allow. You know, I've heard it said like this, that if God wants to bless you, he brings a person into your life. And if the enemy wants to destroy you, he's going to bring a person into your life. Which means what? Is this a friend or a foe? And again, some people are foolish. They don't intend to hurt you. I mean, few people are just hell bent on hurting themselves, but yet people do it all the time. That's foolishness. Well, that's, that's darkness working. The other side of what darkness does is that it brings in confusion. Anybody been driving this last week, kind of in the later evening, early morning? Y'all noticed all the fog that we've had? The other day I'm driving Max to school and I drive this same road every day, multiple times, probably four, six, eight times a day. And I'm driving going, where's the corner? Because it's a hard right. And I know I'm close because I've got all the, all the, the, you know, but I can't see. I didn't feel like I could see from me to the back wall. And normally traffic is backed up. And so I'm thinking, man, I know that there's probably cars up here and I can't see that far. And I'm a little like, and finally a car turned the corner and I saw their headlights. And I'm like, there's the corner. But something that I do all the time that is almost robotic in a way Because the conditions of the environment change created confusion. And sometimes what happens is the enemy will come in and the environment's the same and we think everything's what it always is. But there's a condition that has changed and we get confused by it. That's the enemy. Have you ever had the thought like, what's wrong with me? Let's just rephrase that question. Maybe you haven't changed, but maybe the environment has. And, but it's creating a confusion in you. And the enemy's at work in your thoughts and in your mind. Why? Because he's changed the circumstances. But yet he'll try to convince you that you're the problem. This is darkness working. To bring about confusion. Proverbs chapter 5 verse 21 through 23 says this, it says, for the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining his every path. It says an evil man is held captive by his own sins. They are ropes that catch and hold him. It says he will die for a lack of self-control and he will be lost because of his great foolishness. This is why the Bible talks so much about wisdom. If wisdom is understanding and knowledge, foolishness is the polar opposite of it. Completely opposite. And yet the Bible really calls us into wisdom. Why? Because when we walk in wisdom, we will not be a fool. 
This is the whole purpose. And Proverbs 4.19 says this, The way of the wicked is is like total darkness, and they have no idea what they are stumbling over. You know, I was up here one night, and I was leaving the church, and I normally go out a certain door, but for whatever reason, I decided I was going to go out a different door that night. It's pitch black. I didn't turn on any lights. So I'm walking, and I'm walking towards the door, and I'm probably for me to the front row to the door. And all of a sudden, I ran into a chair. And I'm like, dang it. Well, what happened? I didn't turn on the lights. The lights were there. I mean, I walked right by the light switch. It was probably three steps from that chair. It would have helped. And instead, I got a nice little mark on my shin because I walked right into it. But sometimes we actually will be stumbling over things, not knowing or realizing what's tripping us up. Sometimes the enemy will get a stronghold in our life and we need the light of Christ to come in and to help reveal it. Why? So that we can deal with it, so that we can move on and we can get beyond those areas of our life. So if, um, if darkness brings foolishness and confusion, the light of Christ brings wisdom and peace. You see how these are like opposites. The work of the devil is this, to destroy anything good that God wants to do in your life. God has nothing but good for you. And he does this through his word. He does this through his instruction. And so revelation comes, understanding comes when we walk in wisdom. And just like darkness creates confusion, when we walk in light, there's peace. This, this might be one of the easiest ways that I can tell you to recognize if God's working in, in my life or if I'm allowing darkness to work in my life. Do you have peace? And you're like, well, I don't know what peace feels like. You know what chaos feels like. Chaos is the absence of peace. It's out of control. Thoughts are all over the place. Like, man, I just can't get my mind right. But when wisdom comes, there's a settling. There's a calmness that comes. I mean, Jesus, one of the names and the descriptions of Jesus is he is the prince of peace. In other words, he doesn't just have it. He is it. When Jesus shows up, peace comes. You see it throughout the Gospels. Everywhere that he went, calm came. Peace came. Health came. Why? He's bringing peace. You can influence the, the, your environment that's around you by the peace that you walk in. I mean, you can create chaos in your home if you choose to. <clears throat> Excuse me. I mean, some people love drama. And they want it in their home. Darren and I were youth pastors for years. How many of y'all know some teenagers got some drama? Y'all know what I'm talking about. And we would have them to our house pretty regularly. And, I, and you know, they start yang yang or whatever. I'm like, hey, y'all can't do that in here. Y'all can go outside. You can go in the driveway. I don't care. But you can't do that in my house. Why? Because my house is going to be a, a place of peace. And I can't, and we would, we pray that over every home that, that me and Derek have ever lived in. Is that we pray, God, that your peace is going to rule and reign in this house. We ain't going to have foolishness. Devil, you and your shoes can stay outside the door. 
And I've been amazed through the years how many kids would make us. I just love coming to your house because it's calm. Absolutely. And I'm going to protect it. I don't really know what I'm going to do when my kids become teenagers and they want to act fools. I guess I can just say, y'all can go to the front porch. Go out there and sit on the chair when you're ready to be sane. (laughs) You can come back in. We'll cross that bridge later, I suppose. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 13 and 14 says this. This is Solomon considered to be the wisest man to ever live. Also one of the wealthiest, if not the wealthiest man to ever live. Said this. He says that wisdom is better than foolishness. Just as light is better than darkness. For the wise can see where they are going. But fools will walk in the dark. The wise can see where they're going. They, they know what's up ahead. You know, one of the names of God is that he's the God who sees ahead and makes provision. God knows what's coming before we even see it. And he says, not only do I see it, I'm going to make provision for whatever the, the need may be in that moment for you. See, we even see this in the, in the uh, really the beginning of Genesis chapter one, verse three. Many of you know the, the, these verses, but it's the opening chapter of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that's, that's verse 1. Everything's good. It's in order. In verse 2, something shifts. And it says, but it was without form and void. There's actually a distinction. If you go and read the original, you did some word study. It goes from peace to chaos between verse 1 and verse 2. And the first thing that God does to establish order is he says in verse 3, let there be Light. In other words, if I'm going to fix it, I need to be able to see it. And sometimes we have areas of our life that we need the light of God to come in. Why? Because we can't see it to fix it. You ever tried to work on something or fix something? You're like, I just can't see. Give me a light. Somebody hold a flashlight. Why? Because you need to be able to see what's going on to accurately fix the problem. And so even here in Genesis, we see this is that God says, let there be light. And God saw the light and said that it was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. We call it day and night. And he separates it. This is kind of a funny joke, but uh, something when I was a probably older, I was probably in college or maybe at least older high school. I'm a night owl. I love the nighttime. I do not like early mornings. It is not my. My favorite time of the day. And my dad used to joke and he'd tell me, like, David, there's nothing good going on at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, there ain't nothing good going on at 5 o'clock in the morning either, Dad. <laughs> it's like, you know, and of course, because he, he's, a, he's a morning person and I'm not. and You know, but, you know, there is, it is interesting to me, though, if you think about it. Most theft is done in the dark. Most violent crimes are created in the dark. Why is that? I don't know. There is a definitive answer, but it just seems like that crazier things happen at night than they do during the daytime. And yet here we see where God wants to put order back into some things and begin to restore some really the earth back to his original intent 
And he established that, hey, light and light is a good thing. So here's, here's my fourth point for you. Is that darkness deceives. And what does the word deceive mean? It mean, means that you believe a lie. It means that you believe something to be true that is not true. Now, there's two types of deception, by the way. And the second one is worse than the, than the first one, I think. It's one thing for somebody else to lie to me and me to believe it. And that's bad enough. Is that somebody else will, you know, will tell me something and will repeat something long enough that I begin to believe it. Give you an example of this. It'd be like if you grew up in a family or in a home where you were constantly told that you are no good, you're stupid, you'll never amount to anything, you're going to be just like your mama, you're going to be just like your dad. If you're told that long enough, you eventually begin to believe it. Why? It's repetition. It's erosion. It happens slowly over time, almost unperceivable, but the damage is still there. But somebody has whispered a lie to you. And that is dangerous. That is darkness, right? But an even worse type of deception is what we do to ourselves. And it's self-deception. Is that we can actually be counseled by the devil and we will pick up his lie and then we get on the hamster wheel and we repeat it over and over and over. And we convince ourselves of these facts. And I'll never be good enough to do whatever, to pass that test, to get that promotion. uh, Like, we're too jacked up. We'll never have a good marriage. I don't see that in the scriptures. Because my Bible reads in Philippians 4 that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I may not be able to have a better marriage in and of myself, but with the help of the Holy Spirit and because of Jesus who paid the price to redeem my soul, that he would refresh me and renew me so that I can be the husband, that I could be the wife, so that I can be the mother, so I could be the father. And I don't care what my heritage is and what my um, family looks like is that I can be the first one to change my family. Why? Because I have a new DNA. And it's hidden in Christ. And in Him, I have everything that I need. But yet darkness will deceive and will try to fool you into believing a lie. So a little self-evaluation. What do you believe about yourself that God has never said about you? Well, I'm bad. Well, Jesus said you were worth dying for. do bad things absolutely and there are some evil people i mentioned that earlier about a fool that they don't intend to hurt you. here's the difference an evil person intends harm they got bad intentions from the break but those are not most people that's a select few people that i just believe are inherently evil But they didn't start evil. And most people who are that way have very deep wounds that they've never healed. And that's what got them there to begin with. So when darkness deceives, this is what happens. 
is that things aren't as they appear. You know those things on social media, they, they, I haven't seen one here lately, but they'd be like, is this dress blue or green? You know what I'm talking about? Or whatever it was, this sweater, this, this, whatever. It's like, is this gold or is this blue? And it's like, neither. It's like, you know, I'm like, I don't see anything. But things aren't always as they may seem to be on the surface. Sometimes it may be uh, scary or they play on our thoughts. It's irrational fears. Like, I, I would encourage you to do this. Anytime that you become, like, anxious and overly afraid, ask yourself why. And you may have to pray and ask the Holy Spirit, why am I so nervous? Why am I so anxious? Because it may be completely irrational. Like, I'll just give you an example. Just a natural example of this. Is that you may have heard a story of somebody who got hurt doing something. Like, just say something real simple. A swing. Somebody got hurt on a swing and now you're afraid to swing. You're like, oh, I'd never do that. Maybe not that, but there's other areas of your life that you know of. Somebody got hurt and you, and you cataloged in your brain, I'm never going to do that because I don't want to get hurt. Well, who's to say that wasn't a freak accident? Or maybe even using this example, as a kid, I got hurt on a swing we were on a big old rope swing and we kept dog piling people on. And I was on the bottom holding on. And we got too much weight on there and then a root went straight up my back. It was awesome. <laughs> well, I could have said, hey, swings are dangerous. Was the swing dangerous or was I stupid? I was, I was having a lot of fun until. But sometimes we have irrational fears. We should get anxious about something. Like, I'll give you an irrational fear. Then I've actually heard people make statements like this. Everything's going too good. I need to do something to screw it up. Because I would rather choose how I screw it up than I would for something bad to happen. And me not see it coming. And so we self-sabotage. That's actually an irrational fear. I'm just waiting on the shoe to drop. You're not living in peace. You're living in fear. And, and so the enemy will use darkness to deceive us. Luke 11 says this, uh, 11, 34 through 36, it says, uh, your eye is the lamp that provides light for your body. It says, when your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. When it is unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. And now, here's the key part of this scripture. It says, make sure that the light that you think you have is not actually darkness. It's a very interesting verse. Make sure that the light that you have is not actually darkness. It says, if you are filled with light with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant as though a floodlight were filling you with light. So this key part here that I, that I, that I pointed out, make sure that the light that you think you have is not actually darkness. Is that sometimes I, I believe that we stop short of what God wants for us. We say, well, well, man, I'm so thankful for what God has done and we ought to be thankful. 
for what God has done. But sometimes I think we can stop short and say, you know what, I'm good enough here. Why would we stop short of what God wants for us? Well, I'm not as bad as I used to be, man. I'm way better. But why get comfortable? Why just, you know, this particular um, translation says, if you're filled with light with no dark corners. In other words, sweep out the cobwebs out of the closet. Get, Get some of these places. Allow Jesus, allow the light of Christ to come into your heart. Why? So that it removes all the darkness, all the limitations. Don't stop short of all that God has for you. Because we can kind of kick it into cruise control. And say, well, I'm better than I used to be. Yeah, but God has more. The Bible says that he takes us from one place to another place. From one place of faith to another place of faith. From one level of relationship to another level of relationship with him. Is it, let me say it this way. Is that God is infinite. Another way to say that is that we'll never find the end of him. Whatever I know of him, there's more to know. Whatever I've experienced of him, there's more to experience. And yet we can just kind of settle and be like, I'm good. So darkness deceives. The second part of this is that light clarifies. See, darkness makes things look in a certain way like they don't appear. You ever been in your house at night and got freaked out by something? Like in the house? It's your house. You put everything in your house. Then all of a sudden, something's sitting over in the corner and you're eyeballing it. You're like, mm, I don't know what that is, but I think it's the boogeyman. He's, gonna, he's definitely going to get me in my sleep tonight. And then you go and turn on the light and then you laugh at yourself. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. It's like a broom handle and like something on it. And you're like, man, I got freaked out by a bed sheet. I mean, that's a funny example, but. But when you flip on the light, everything that was freaking you out all of a sudden becomes like, that's it. You know, the Bible actually tells us that when we see Satan, that we're actually going to have the questions like, is that really him? Is this the one that the nations were terrified? That's him. Why? Because he's a master manipulator. And he has convinced us, convinced us that he is more powerful than he actually is. But when we get into the light of God's word, what? It clarifies and it says, oh, I'm the head and I'm not the tail. I am above and not beneath. That I have the authority of Christ and that even the influence of the enemy, he can only have what I let him take. You start talking like that and you say, well, how can you say that? Because Jesus told me to. Yes. Why? Because Jesus says, I have the, the keys to the kingdom of God and I give them freely to you to have authority and dominion over what? Everything. Why? Because this is what the Bible has revealed to me. In other words, there's nothing that Jesus walked in on the earth that we cannot have. I mean, when he prayed for the sick, they got better. Well, the Bible says that we can pray for the sick and they'll get better too. I mean, Jesus walked in relationship, connection with the Father. You know, you can have a relationship with God like Jesus did. Like, yeah, but Jesus was perfect and I'm not. 
Well, I've got good news for you. God only has a relationship with imperfect people because that's all the people left. <laughs> Welcome to the club. You're just like the rest of us. No, but light, light will clarify. It gives us a clear picture of what's actually going on. The Passion uh, Translation says it this way. This same verse in Luke 11. So it's the same verse that I just read, but in a, another interpretation. It says, the eyes of your spirit allow light or revelation light to enter your being. It says, when your heart is open, that's a key part. When your heart is open, the light floods in. When your heart is hard and closed, the light cannot penetrate darkness and it takes its place. It says, open your hearts and consider my words. So don't close your heart. Open up your heart, what, to the possibilities of what God wants to do in your life. He says, watch out that you don't mistake your opinions for revelation light. Remember a minute ago when I read that out of the other translation, it says, see to it, or let me me quote it properly. He says, make sure that the light that you think you have is not actually darkness. In the Passion, it says this way, watch out that you don't mistake your own opinion for revelation light. Let me say it another way. Make sure that you trust God more than you do you. Your own opinion, your own experience. You're like, man, I know what God's word says, but, but this is what happened to me before. Okay, but you got to make a decision. Are you going to believe you? Or are you going to believe God's word? Because if you believe you, there may be some deception. You may not be seeing that accurately and clearly. And so it says, make no mistake about your, don't put your opinion above what God reveals. He says, if your spirit burns with light, it's fully illuminated with no traces of darkness. You will be a shining light reflecting rays of truth by the way that you live. We looked at this last week. The Bible told us, it says, hey, let your light shine before men that they would glorify your father in heaven. And it echoes it here again. Is that God wants us to live In the light of Christ. That's the reason that Jesus came. Why? So that darkness would no longer have authority in our life. That we wouldn't have to put up with certain things in our life anymore. Is that Jesus came to what? Bring us victory and to bring us life. To bring us peace. To bring us joy. That's the reason that we celebrate. When all this is taken down and packed away or wherever it's going. This stage is going to look empty. Your house is going to look empty. Man, what did we put in our house before Christmas? See, sometimes that happens even with our heart is that things get removed and then all of a sudden there's this emptiness. There's this kind of like, man, that was fun, but the party's over. See, we want to make sure that we're not just celebrating the season. We want to celebrate the person that the season is about. This is important. Now, I don't have much time, but I'm going to give you my fifth one uh, real quick. I'm not going to really unpack it, but I think it's a... I thought it was worth to write down, so I think it's worth to tell you. How about that? So here's a fifth one. The last one is that darkness isolates. The enemy always wants to isolate you. He always wants to pull you away. And the, a lot of these are, are kind of connected, if you will. The, the, these five points, but the enemy gets his advantage when, when you go to by yourself. Why? 
Because the only person left to counsel you is you. Rewind to number four. I need the light to bring clarity. God speaks through his word. But God will speak through friends and family and godly people around me. And when I begin to distance myself and isolate myself from the family of God. The Bible says that Jesus came to take the lonely and to put us into a family. Before I was in, this is biblical language. Is it before Christ I was an orphan? I may have had a natural family. But spiritually I was an orphan and, and so are you. And so what? The enemy wants to try to to distance us. He'll try to divide and conquer. Oh, if I can just get them alone. If I can just get them alone. If I can just get them in their thoughts. I can just get them in their thoughts. See, darkness divides. It wants to pull us away. See, and this is the beauty of the gospel. To me, is that light actually invites. Light trusts. Light opens up. Light calls people in. Says, hey, I, I need a friend. Like, I, man, I, I need some friends. The Bible says if you need friends, you need to show yourself friendly. If you want a friend, be a friend. But see, light really does invite. It invites other people. This is why we have groups. This is why we have different ways for us to connect and to be in relationship. I mean, the strength of your life really is in the strength of your relationships. If your relational quality is low, your life quality will be low. If your relational quality is rich, your life will be rich. It will be, what, fulfilling. See, that's one of the things that I have found in walking with Christ. Is the more that I've walked with him and the closer that I've walked with him is that I've become more and more and more open to other people. You could say it another way is that his love starts to come out of me. And it begins to invite and it begins to open up and I begin to look for ways to be a blessing and, and I begin to look for a way to be encouraging to someone. And I become more mindful of other people and less mindful of myself. Why? Because it's his light that actually is inviting me to be like him. I'm amazed as I read through the Gospels of just the patience of Christ. I mean, over and over and over, he'd be with the crowds and he would, the Bible says, he would leave them to go to a solitary place and then they showed back up. And I'm like, guys, leave me alone. This is my solitary place. But it says that he had compassion on them. Even though it was his time, they showed up. And his time became their time. There was this compassion. You ever thought about this? Maybe it's the light on the inside of you that actually attracts people to you. You're in the grocery store. You're like, why do random people come and talk to me? Why does my neighbor keep showing up in my yard wanting to talk? Like, bro, leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you. That co-worker, they just kind of linger around your door. Maybe it's not you that they like so much as it is the Jesus on the inside of you. And so that light on the inside of you is actually inviting them. They don't even know it. 
They don't see it. They don't, even, they don't understand it. They ain't got a clue. But God is actually drawing them through you, through your relationship. And God's placed you in that, in that space. And you may say, man, God, can you call them to another space? That would be amazing. <laughs> Maybe you just need to ask the Lord to give you some grace. And say, Lord, if you've placed me here and you're bringing these people around me, then there's a purpose, there's a reason. See, that's really what Christmas is about. It's about God turning on the light switch for humanity. It's saying, I mean, what God, you think about this, in the Old Testament, Jesus was concealed. We see them in types and in shadows and in different things. And and there's prophetic things that are all referring to him. And then Jesus comes and the light gets flipped on. And all of a sudden what God was doing in the shadows becomes forefront. And Jesus stands and declares, I am the light of the world. I'm going to, didn't plan this, but I'm going to go back to my very first scripture. Jesus makes a statement and says that I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't walk in darkness because you'll have the light that leads you to life. That is God's desire. It's the reason that Jesus came was so that we could have life. John 10.10 says that the thief comes to steal, kill, destroy the devil. But Jesus says, but I've come that you would have life and have it to its fullest potential, fullest ability. Doesn't mean that we won't ever have issues or problems. But it means, man, that there's something that, that God has done on the inside of me. That once I was in darkness because I was spiritually dead. But I've, been, I, I, I've come alive unto God. My spirit has been regenerated. Has, has become li- alive and in connection with Him. This is the call of Christmas, right? It's God inviting people back. Inviting people back. Into a relationship. Why? Because that's ultimately what all of us... Our number one responsibility, our number one calling in life is to know God. It's to be in relationship with Him. So would you bow your heads with me this morning? I want to give you an opportunity that if you're here today and you've never given your heart to Jesus. Maybe you're here, maybe you're online today. And you've never really surrendered your heart to the Lord. Or maybe you've just kind of walked away. And you're like, man, I'm ready to restart my relationship. I need to... I need to get things right with the Lord. I want that relationship you're talking about. I want to pray with you this morning. I'm going to lead you in a short prayer and we'll wrap up here in just a few moments. But if that's you and I'm speaking to you today, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with all of us. But I'm going to ask you to attach your faith to it. Because I'm going to lead you in a short, simple salvation prayer. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus is who the Bible says that he is. And that if you confess it with your mouth. You say, well, I don't have to say it out loud. Because the Bible says. It's a step of faith. But it says if you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth. It says you will be saved. No question about it. And so I want to lead you in a short prayer. And whether you've never prayed this prayer, maybe you're coming back to the Lord. And you're saying, man, it, it, it's time. I'm just going to invite you to pray. Attach your faith to this. Just, would everyone pray with me this morning? Say, dear Heavenly Father, 
I thank you for sending Jesus for me. I believe that he is the son of God. That he laid his life down for me. That he paid the price of my sins. And I receive right now your forgiveness. Father, I thank you that my past no longer determines my future. But Father, you have great things for me. I thank you for it right now. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, can we show some love this morning and support for those who are making this decision?